ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello and welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller and happy week after Thanksgiving. It was it was a holiday. I'll just say that. Uh, if you can't listen live each week, then you can find Don't Ask Me to Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 for show details. I promise I will not spam you. I don't. I really don't. If you want to connect, uh, if you have a comment or a question, the number is 425-373-5527. You can also find me through my website, which needs to be updated, but... I digress. Uh, my website is stacyconnects.com. My guest today I am super excited about, uh, Jessica Ross. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. I am so, so excited. Uh, Jessica is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Um, well, she will not out me. I will out myself. <laughs> she is the person that prescribes my meds for my anxiety, my depression, and my ADHD. And when I first met Jessica, I was like a kindred spirit. She talks as quickly as I do. I thought maybe you were just also from the East Coast. Well, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. But where are you from again? Connecticut. Right. So, like, uh, my dad is a alumni of Fairfield College. Wait, Fairfield University? Yes. Where Grace is? Yes. How did I not make, maybe you two made that connection, because I'll out Grace, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Here's my rule of thumb. If my family's not going to listen, then I get to talk about them. Absolutely. So, you know, they're doing me a favor by not listening. They kind of are because now you can just go for it. Right? Right. So I maybe you two made the connection and I didn't, but... I think I just made it in my head. I don't think I've spilled the beans yet. Wow. Well, it is out. It is out now. To our 20s of listeners, which (laughs) thank you to um, all of Jessica's friends and family that are listening. Thanks so much, everyone. (laughs) I know that mom and the glop are listening. Hello, Diane. Hello, Lee. Hi, mom. Mom arrives on Saturday. Nice. For a week. She decided to come in between holidays because it would be less crazy travel and less stressful and more enjoyable all around. It's exactly what I'm doing flying out tomorrow to see my family. Right? Yes. It's kind of a nice little respite, if you will. Mm -hmm. Although um, we're all in panic mode with mom coming like totally. things are being painted are <laughs> like the house the has to get floorboards dusted right exactly right and really the only thing that she ever wants to know is if i have a full bottle of doers <laughs> well so, obviously <laughs> like all of that stress and pressure and really she's just like do you have my doers so like one in the fridge one in the garage as a backup <laughs> good to go Right? Pretty much. That's kind of how it goes. Um, Okay, so I've already launched into my rant and ramble. Um, Here's the things I've been thinking about all week. All week, all month, all year, (laughs) all the past two years, it feels like there has been a, just a dearth of bad news. Yes. And I'm like, okay, it reminds me of the movie uh, Pay It Forward. Oh, my God. And I'm like, we need to create a movement of good. 
because we're not getting any big wins at the moment. There's nobody that is curing cancer. The pandemic isn't over. Uh, Racism isn't a thing of the past. Everybody's not, you know, doing great on a political scene. The environment is still crumbling. The whole thing. Like, we're all just a mess. So the only way to create a movement of good is to have small acts of good. Absolutely. It's like dividing up your day into small, manageable tasks. Those are the things we can actually accomplish without overgiving and straining ourselves. Right? So it's the little things. So I'm going to be talking about this this holiday season, all of the random acts of kindness, the good news. If you see somebody while you're shopping and they look cute or their smile made you chuckle or their kid having a tantrum is stressing them out, walk up to them, tell them that you like their hat, their smile made your day, their child will grow out of it. Like to take a deep breath, people are not looking at them as much as they think, except in sympathy and chuckles because they've been there themselves. Just all of these small moments can mean so much to people. I totally agree. And if you can double down and find someone who was being bullied and you witnessed it and you give that person a compliment, you'll really help turn their day around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all about seeing the unseen. Mm-hmm. And so many of us see it, but we don't take the time to stop and articulate it. And what I'm suggesting, people, is that you stop and take the time to articulate it. So um, last week's guest was legendary and charlie was on the show as well and after the show aired legendary was uh he had talked about how he's going to be dropping music soon and he said and i'm making a music video any chance i can use one of your bedrooms to shoot part of the music video he's like you know my place it's a bachelor pad it's not great and i was like sure no problem so of course the day that filming was happening was yesterday while i was in studio obviously So also the house, like part of the house is being painted. So the guest room where I thought they would be able to film was off limits. So it ended up being upstairs in Grace's room. And Pete, bless his heart, like he gets them all situated. And he sent me a text and I had to type it up so that I got it right. He sent me a text in between recording that said, definitely not cool enough for what's happening in the house right now. It made me laugh. Apparently, there was some lovely young woman that was in the bed and legendaries walking down the hall with all of his swagger and singing and there's cameras rolling and whatever. Wow. And Nobody's I, cool enough for that. Right? Nobody. I was like, you need one of those money guns so that you can make it rain dollar yes. bills or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A couple of expensive looking dogs. Right? Yes. Yeah. So um, that just made me chuckle because when I got home, Pete looked like he had like, I don't know, been on a plane or something. He just looked like, whoa. Um, and they had come in and they had already gone. So I was bummed that I missed it. Yeah. But um, but he does make me laugh. He's a good sport. That's Because awesome. the things that I say yes to and he's like, you said yes to what? <laughs> Who's coming over? Why? So <laughs> he's sort of a saint. Yeah. Um, Okay, I have so much that I want to talk to you about. However, I want to combine a story with my Staceyism. 
So my stasism that I was reflecting on is this phrase that people say, time heals all wounds. Now, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to disagree with that. Yes. Yeah. I am going to say perhaps addressing the wounds heals old wounds. Now, this comes up because of my Thanksgiving confession. All right. Here's the situation. So many of you had the opportunity to be with family over Thanksgiving weekend at some point or another, and you may all notice that you regress to your role, whether you're in your family of origin and suddenly, you know, you're vying for who's the favorite, which is what my brothers and I do when we're visiting with my mother, or, you know, in my my family that I've created with my husband, you know, I'm the mom role and, you know, whatever that role is. So wherever you are, you have your role and everybody falls into place. So I noticed something. I noticed that when the kids, who are now all really adults, Charlie being 18, Grace 21, Will 22, Annie 25, and they all have this camaraderie and the shared memories and the um, the stories that they've told each other but we don't know about. And when I say we, I mostly mean me because I don't think they tell Pete a ton. Um, but I get kept out of all of these things. And I noticed that I felt left out. So then I was sort of exploring that, like, why is that? And I did all of this reflecting after the fact, by the way, not in the moment, because, like, that would have been healthy. It's not really possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, um, realized that in some ways I was a kid when I was having my kids. And so it was a real struggle volleying back and forth between feeling like a kid who wanted to be seen and heard and like, look what I did and validating and all of the things that, you know, I needed and then having to put my kids' needs first and instead focusing on them. And in some ways, it stunted my own growth. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to just be honest. I'm sure that there is resentment there then. Like all of this time that I spent like focusing on the kids and and, you know, like, uh when is it going to be my time kind of thing? Right. So let's go back to the Friday. The family's all hanging out. Our day was off because it turns out the painters were going to arrive on that day, which when they said next Friday, silly me, I thought they meant this coming Friday, not the day after Thanksgiving. Um, so it threw us and our, our rhythm off and whatever. And we're all hanging out and decided that we would go out. And everybody's chit-chatting and for whatever reason I got in this mode of like I'm out of the loop I'm not like nobody's paying attention to me and I'm having an inner tantrum and I'm like that's it like I have a headache I like when I get stressed and overwhelmed it's like I've got a headache and so I just kind of went upstairs and was pouting and Pete came up hey how are you feeling? Are you all right? What's going on? I'm like, I have a headache. I'm, and I did acknowledge to him in the moment, I think maybe I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed or whatever, um, but I'm not feeling great. And so why don't you go ahead with the kids? So he went off with the kids and I didn't know that I had like thrown down a test, but apparently I threw out a test where like which of the kids checked in with me before they left to see like, hey mom, how come you're not going? Like, or listening for the conversation or the text or anything. 
And only one of the kids reached out like, hey, are you okay? And then when they came home, it's not like they came up and said, we brought you pizza or how are you feeling? Are you feeling any better? You know, whatever it is. And while all this is happening and I'm having my pity party and I talk about this a lot, you know, it's important to have a pity party, but to only stay for a drink. So... I am realizing while all of this is happening, I'm like, oh, I have a whole narrative in my head. I am like, I'm throwing a tantrum. I'm a 51-year-old woman that is like upset about this. I'm acting like a child. You know, all of these things that I'm doing. And I had this one moment where I thought, okay, I could just get up and say, wait, you guys, I'm going to come with. Or I can sit and stew in my own juices. And I ended up staying and stewing in my own juices, not because I didn't want to, but because I was embarrassed about the fact that I let myself go there. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense because when we experience what's perceived as a form of rejection of any kind, we'll often experience a dysphoria is what they call it, but that just means mini depression. And it's only mini in how long it lasts, not the clinical two weeks. Mm -hmm. But you can go zero to 100 right then. So. Oh, yeah. And that's totally what happened. And I went, you know, that zero to 100. And then I was like, I took my foot off the brake and I was like, wait a minute. I'm telling myself a story. And like, I don't know that I'm so comfortable in this. And, um. You know, it just was like, whatever, I'm definitely off. I knew I was off because I didn't finish my second gin and tonic. <laughs> so there was definitely something legitimately wrong Obviously, with me. <laughs> yes, you were properly taken care of. Right. Yes. So, I mean, you know. Um, but anyway, I just I think it's so important to talk about these things mm-hmm. and and to. I don't want to like it's apologizing for a missed opportunity to spend time with my kids However, I can't keep apologizing for the fact that I'm human. No, you can't. And having shame about the fact that you get stressed out doesn't help the stress. And then feeling guilty that you got stressed out doesn't help the guilt. Right. And maybe that all stems from not asking for help in the first place. See, look at this. This is why I talked to Jessica (laughs) Ross. Okay. So on that, um, folks, it's... Never, it's never too late to apologize. Mm-hmm. I mean, that One Republic song, right? Um, anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with Jessica, and we're going to talk about ADHD, if we can stay focused long enough. <laughs> we'll try. Okay. Keep listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. Be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. 
Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com. Want to hear something different from talk radio? Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, I had my big confession about being human or a turkey over Thanksgiving weekend. Either one's fine. Yeah, it works. And I am super excited to have you as my guest. Thank you. I have, I think I have been seeing you for like, Five years or something? At least. I think so. I would say so, yeah. So, um, well, let's start with you. So give a little background on you and what you do. Um, Okay. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and I have also studied some acupuncture and oriental medicine, so I actually like to call myself an integrated practitioner because I like to use as many tools as possible Um, I decided to join a private practice where I could really use that space to just do integrated medicine and help use both sides of the coin to really treat mental health, whether it's augmenting or complementing whatever we're doing, mixing the two different types of um, services. So what I really got interested in throughout my career was pediatrics because kids are adorable. And so obviously they're super fun to work with. But then as I started assessing all of these kids for ADHD, a lot of their parents were like, "Um, everything you just said happens in my head, too. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense because it's highly genetic, second most heritable trait after height. So, yeah, probably one of you guys might have this going on, too. And so as I continued on in my specialty, I was always interested in ADHD because it runs in my family. And I was actually diagnosed as an adult in nursing school. And it was incredible to me the difference of having the supports in place, how much easier school was. I already liked school, Mm -hmm. but I had to work so hard to get anything done. So that really became another super interesting point for me is working with women who haven't been diagnosed but are struggling in whatever role they're taking on. Oh, yeah. I mean, and which is totally leans into then my story in that we found out that Annie was dealing with ADHD and some depression and anxiety when she was in high school. And, you know, smartly so, her psychologist at the time said, okay, let's deal with the depression and the anxiety piece first because teenagers can make 
permanent decisions with temporary feelings. Exactly. So we need to address that. And then once we get that under control, let's see what's going on. And sure enough, ADHD. Not a huge surprise since uh, my niece has it mm-hmm. and my brother has it. And so as you say, you know, you start, you're sitting here in, you know, whatever office with whichever doctor and they're talking about some of these things and you're like, check, 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 check. And so I went and I got diagnosed and really played with then finding the right medication and tweaking that with you and figuring out what is right for me and deciding, you know, for all of these years I've, I had coped without taking meds and then taking meds. And there's so many arguments about taking medication and not and, and those kinds of things. However, when I take my meds, what I'm able to do is just so much it's so much um, more effortless. Absolutely. The joke I like to make is that taking medication is like glasses for your brain. It brings it into focus, but it also helps with the other areas of ADHD, which are impulse control and emotional regulation, which probably is a little bit what you struggled with over the holiday, that emotional regulation. You get set off and then you either end up experiencing a headache or you're in such a bad mood that you say you have a headache and peace out. Yep. Oh, totally. And and that's the thing that, you know, so many people have this kind of preconceived notion about what ADHD looks like. You know, first of all, it's an umbrella term. There's different types of ADHD. Yes. Like I have ADHD in attentive type. Exactly. And then what are the other? There's also hyperactive and then combined type. And what's interesting is that you know, you have this preconceived notion that like, you know, the hypertype, it's like the little boys that are out of control in class and that kind of thing. And Charlie, I don't know if he's got hypertype or mixed, um, mixed. Okay. He, um, he wasn't that kid because he just wasn't, he probably, cause he knew I would yell at him if he was misbehaved in class or whatever. Um, but we also knew more with him going through elementary school because of what Annie had gone through and taught him some coping skills to help manage it. However, what people don't realize is it's not just hyper um, activity. It's also hyper focus. Exactly. Like his focus that he has when he likes something, it's like you cannot get him off of that. No, actually, people who have ADHD focus better than people who don't have it. Part of it's the biological differences in our types of brains, which is why the medication is so very different for people who actually have the diagnosis and don't. The people who try to get the medication because they think it'll help them focus or they think it'll help them stay awake to do something like study or work out or party Um, they have a very different experience because they're not naturally deficient in the brain chemicals that that medication supports. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to me the times that my kids have shared that friends that don't have ADHD will ask for some of their meds. For so much money. For so much money. And I'm like, no, that makes you a drug dealer. And a felon. And a felon. And, you know, and it's just not worth it. And, you know, something happens to them and... It gets traced back to you, like, psh, lights out. Yep. Um, 
And as we discussed over the weekend, yes, I would turn you in. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That's excellent. You know, we had a whole conversation with the whole Brian Landry, like, or Laundry and Gabby Petito thing. And the kids were like, you know, would you turn us in? And I was like, yes. And they were like, well, what if I'm innocent? I'm like, well, then doubly yes. Absolutely. Then you can get off. Yep. And if you're guilty, I'm still going to love you. You Mm -hmm. made a bad choice. But like, yeah, you're going to jail. Anyway. I digress. Yes. Squirrel. But I, <laughs> I totally agree. So I like to have a conversation with every person to let them know the risks, that this medicine is a big responsibility, and that if some of your friends ask for it, tell them, that's really rude. I actually need this to function. Right. You want this to party, not cool friend. Right. Right. And it's it's amazing to me. I I recall that when I had brought Charlie in to meet with you and at the time, you know, if you have a parent, you know, in Pete's case, Pete, by the way, that doesn't really, he doesn't have ADHD. He doesn't get it. He doesn't know what it's like. And you can't really put on like ADHD goggles to fully get what it's like. Not at all. So it's so hard for somebody that doesn't have it to understand it and understand all the ways that it impacts you. Absolutely. Because not only are you dealing with a different brain biologically, but you're also dealing with what's called executive dysfunction or executive functioning issues where things like time management and organization and prioritization are really tricky. Mm -hmm. So there's this hilarious group of people on TikTok that call themselves formerly gifted burned out ADHD kids (laughs) who are, you know, at varying levels of success in their adult lives, depending on the supports that they had. And a lot of people with ADHD are highly intelligent as well. It has no correlation on how smart you are. It just makes some things more difficult, but then the hyper-focus is the payoff. Well, and, and what's interesting is since embracing my ADHD, I have had more professional success than prior You know, I was a stay-at-home mom with the kids all those years. And, you know, just trying to manage all of that, even thinking about a career and trying to do that, I just couldn't do it. And I also realized that I needed to really embrace the creative side, that side that has, you know, a thousand tabs open in my brain at once. And I can pull all of this information and very quickly make a connection between it. And that is a that's a superpower. That is one of the other superpowers. The, the, the way that we organize information within our brains, it's connected differently. We take it in differently than people who don't have it. And the way we connect things is very special and unique. So is the problem solving methods. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the other thing that I have had is because I've talked so openly about it with about my own kids, about myself, you know, people gravitate and they're like, okay, I'm worried about Johnny. You know, they may have ADHD. And I'm like, okay, well, like, congratulations, they don't have cancer. Right. Like, let's put this in perspective. This is not a death sentence. And, you know, like Johnny also has blonde hair and long eyelashes. So Mm -hmm. whatever. And so it's not an excuse for behavior. It's an explanation of behavior. Right. And what I started to learn then is that people with ADHD, we can focus in a different way. So 
for example, when I used to be involved in the PTA, I would go to a PTA meeting and, you know, I held a role um, on the board and whatever. And I would be sitting at a big table with people that I didn't know. And I would turn to my left and right and I would say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be sitting here playing on my phone solitaire so that I can focus on the meeting. And I need to engage part of my brain so that I can fully engage in the meeting. And they're like, okay. And, you know, then topics would come up and I was like right on it, succinct, clear, participating, the whole thing. And I learned that letting people know was something that was helpful because, again, people make assumptions. Yes. And and it also helped to educate them to realize that, you know, I describe it to parents like if you're if all the fingers on your hand are waving and they're your synapses, it's like putting a hair tie in the synapses that are being distracting. And, you know, now solitaire is amusing those so that the synapses that I need to engage to pay attention to the meeting can really focus. Is that does that make sense in a very stripped down way? Perfect sense, yes. Because what you're doing is looking for that dopamine that your brain is naturally deficient in. We don't receive a pop of it in our brain for doing the normal tasks, like paying attention in a meeting. And the things that we do to help ourselves, listening to music, doodling, playing solitaire, knitting, you name it, are often seen as socially inappropriate for the situation that you're in. And so we don't do it out of guilt and shame and the fear of being different. And what are people going to think about me if I am different? So instead of speaking up for what we need, we just mask our symptoms, copy what everybody else is doing, and then fail miserably because we couldn't pay attention or we couldn't... Uh, participate in the conversation or whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, I mean, it's and it's amazing the ways that it shows up. I love when friends have come to me and they've said, you know, oh, you know, Susie, like she did the homework and she didn't turn it in. And I'm like, oh, Susie, I hear you. Because I'll I'll be working with a client and I'm in the moment and my head is like zinging with all of the solutions. And so I've done the work in my head but then I need to go and like, oh, so now you like want to see it like written down or presented to you or whatever it is. And that's something that I've really had to, as an adult, start um, getting rid of all of the layers of should and have to. And this is what it's supposed to look like and really staying in my my lane or my zone of genius. Yes, exactly. So many successful people have ADHD and are just now feeling comfortable to talk about it, like Simone Biles and a lot of other amazing Olympic athletes that are breaking records and creating new things because of that genius spot they can be in when they have the right supports. What's interesting about any of the neurodivergencies, including ADHD, is that environment drives the symptoms. So environment is everything from managing sensory input to coaching to medication to diagnosis. Just knowing what you're working with so you don't feel weird for being different and then you can proceed without that guilt and shame. Now, how do you deal with, um, I'll use Charlie as an example. So transitioning from high school to college and not wanting to necessarily be medicated, there's a huge transition going into a, you know, a new environment, A, post-pandemic. I mean, 
everybody's suffering with so weird like the new norm that's like the old norm but like not even yet and so there's a lot of kids I think that probably don't want to take the medication again they either feel like they're not themselves or they don't like how focused they are or who they become or what it does or you know they're becoming more aware and they're like I don't want to feed my body chemicals how do you guide them through that? That's a tough one because each case is so individual. So someone like him going off to college, I would say, okay, we need a plan in place because the APA, the American Academy of Pediatrics, recommends environmental supports, school accommodations, then medications. So that can be an appropriate treatment if you do the things. And then we also have a very good discussion about pill shaming ourselves and the hesitancy to take medication because somebody thinks that you're microdosing meth, as they say, or that you shouldn't be on that. I have had so many people in my life who love me and care about me so much tell me I shouldn't be on medication and I don't need that because you didn't need it in high school. Oh, and I mean, I can go back. And I realize, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to a very small, private, all-girls school. So not having the distraction of boys. Having 34 young women in my graduating class. I mean, and I mean my entire graduating class, which meant that I had some classes that had five or six of us in the class. That is amazing. Right. So therefore, did it show up at that time? No, because I had such one-on-one support. I was seen. The teachers really knew who I was. They could help me out. I got to play to my strengths. I got to really limit my weaknesses, and it was an amazing thing. Then I go off to college, and left to my own devices, suddenly I'm like, I'm dealing with depression. This is making me anxious. I can't keep up and do the things I'm supposed to do. I don't think I have study skills. I don't know how to study. And it all starts coming in on you, and you're like, I don't even know where to start. And so that all falls apart. And, you know, then I think of my own kids' experiences where all four, well, three of the four, uh, were denied any kind of accommodations because my children were well-behaved, respectful students that were performing at or above grade level. This is a very special set of individuals that now we understand and call twice exceptional. When you are highly capable academically, maybe even high cap or gifted, and you have ADHD, you need honors classes and challenging material to keep you interested and invested, as well as accommodations to help with things like organization and turning in the work you actually did. Oh, I mean, it it's it was brutal for them you know the way that each of them handled the work and you know the the reoccurring patterns of you know in Grace's case it would take her hours to do her homework she would be watching Gilmore Girls and doing her homework and you know she would sit at the kitchen counter and she was content with that it was Mm -hmm. like it was fine with Charlie he was a do it in his head immediately because he would ping all the solutions and then he would forget to do it and suddenly there would be the announcement that this is due and he's now got to rush and do it and you know and then stick the landing because of fear of failure. Exactly the two things that help us stay on task are urgency 
and novelty. So we have to be new and interesting, and it has to be kind of a crisis. Like, oh my God, this is due in an hour. Yep. And you can go forward. Oh yeah. But that's a stressful way to live. Oh, it's it's so reactionary. Yes. And I'm still trying to work on that. You know, I keep. I I went in to see Doctor Busy, and you know, she's like, so you know tell me like what your goals are. I'm like, I would like to be a morning person that has a morning practice that gets up and meditates and writes in a notebook. And I wear like a full skirt and like a really great button up shirt. And like, you know, I just flit around my life and she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. So what are your goals? And, you know, like realistic goals and, you know, talking about like my body chemistry and the fact that I'm really a night owl. So me having a morning practice, she's like, couldn't we just erase the word morning and just have it be a daily practice? Maybe it doesn't matter what time of day it is. And, you know, maybe your work hours are like 10 to 7 or, you know, whatever it looks like. And so many things that you have to give yourself permission for to work in your wheelhouse and not against it. Yes, that's the exact thing that I am referencing when I talk about your environmental accommodations, lining things up to work with you and your uniqueness, not what everybody else is doing. Nine to five is just arbitrary. Right. I mean, you know, like what I what I do, some of it is during traditional working hours because that's when people are available to meet. But then the creativity piece, the thing that I could do. I can sit on my couch and I can be working on designs for people or things for people on my phone or on my computer and multitasking and I get it done in no time at all. And then that creates its own set of complications in that I'm like, oh, it didn't take me any time at all. I feel bad charging X amount. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. It took me 51 years and 50 minutes to do this. Exactly. And that's the part that's hard to remember. Yeah. Because you don't have a lot to compare what you're doing to. Just like when I was going through school, I didn't know any other people that studied acupuncture and wanted to mix that with psychiatry, but it made perfect sense to me with what I was seeing in my patients. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes we have these innovative ideas that are so different, it's startling to the current culture, and then we feel like we shouldn't do that, but we're just shitting on ourselves. I, yes, I've t- I talk about this a lot. There's a lot of uh, shooting, yes. and uh, it needs to stop. Um, let's take a quick break because I want to make sure that we have enough time. I want to talk more about you and your journey of what you're doing given the ADHD and what you see. So we'll be right back with Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm Stacy Heller with Jessica Ross. We'll be right back. Don't Ask Me to Talk. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. 
Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, we were talking about what it is like to have ADHD. Eric, do you have ADHD? Not that I'm aware of. I know. Well, it doesn't surprise me. You're very, like, systems and you seem to stay on top of things and (laughs) I wish (laughs) okay well you fake it well I try (laughs) yes um mine just spills out all over the place and um I cannot hide it (laughs) so interesting okay do you know anybody that has it besides me of course oh I feel like everybody be that's not me (laughs) has it but (laughs) well and that's something that I think a lot of people um talk about is that For a while, it's, you know, it's like, oh, everybody's being diagnosed with that. It's like it's the thing. Um, So you actually bring up a good point. Um, What say you, Jessica? It's not that it's the thing. It's more that we change the diagnostic criteria so that it's far more inclusive. So that cases that were previously subclinical, which means, yeah, you're struggling, but you didn't meet all the little boxes so you don't get a diagnosis were not getting the help that they needed. So in the last revision of our book, the DSM, they changed the criteria. They took away ADD and made it all ADHD and also changed some of the ages. So we have more information, more awareness, a way better understanding of gender differences and how it presents and how hormones affect it, and a lot of other topics. So there's a lot more information and awareness now. So we're diagnosing it more because we can see all the sneaky cases now. Got it. Interesting. So how did you manage then, not knowing that you had it, and, you know, going through nursing school is no easy feat? Thank you. Yeah, it's not. So when I was starting out, In my academics, I always wanted to go into the family business of mental health. So with my father being a therapist, starting a private practice, I used to take my little lunchbox, pretend it was my briefcase, and go to work with dad and write my name, cross out his on all the stationery, right? So I knew I wanted to do that. And so they were like, all right, medical school's competitive, get good grades. Mm -hmm. And... While I was not in a private school, I was lucky enough to go to a very good public school with a mom who doesn't have ADHD. So I managed mine by being lucky enough to go to high school in the 90s when espresso hit the scene. (laughs) I ran both cross country and track. Okay. So I ran excessively. And whenever I was in a bad mood, my mom would send me out. And depending on how I reacted would, you know, either five miles or 10 miles, depending on my SAS level. Right. (laughs) So that's how I managed. And then I got to college, got in a car accident, couldn't run anymore, got my butt kicked academically and was like, was I not smart? There's the imposter syndrome kicking in. Mm -hmm. So I worked 
really hard. I barely slept. I stayed up late. I had terrible caffeine dependence because if you drink enough coffee, it'll sort of mimic the medications and help. You have to drink. I mean, I can have a Diet Coke. People are floored by this. I don't drink coffee, so I can't speak to that. But I can drink a Diet Coke or a Coke and have it on my nightstand and fall asleep no problem. It is like it it's like it just falls off me. Exactly, because the brain chemistry is literally different for us. So the extra dopamine and energy that we're supposed to get from caffeine doesn't happen. So I just uh, was motivated by my interests. So because we have that interest-based nervous system, I was interested in getting good grades to go to medical school until I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. So then I went to alternative medical school at Bastyr and studied acupuncture, but I just kept getting the psych patients and nobody else wanted to treat them. And I was like, okay, I'm listening universe. And then my teachers on the day of graduation were like, hey, you should apply to nursing school, become a nurse practitioner instead of a doctor and then combine the medicine. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a fantastic idea. So I did. And then when I got to nursing school and I was in a psychiatry program, my teacher looked at me and said, oh, my God, please go get some medication. Wow. Yeah. And then school was so much easier. Well, and that's, thank you for saying that, because I have always found that I genuinely love learning. I am curious about things. I I absorb things. And people hand me books all the time, like, oh, read this book on this, read this book on that. I never really read them. I would read, like, the back cover and whatever it is, and somehow sort of absorbed the concept with very minimal, like, reading of it, but was like, oh, okay, yep, making all these connections. And it's like school was hard because of that that follow-through piece. And so then when you have the medication, it helps you, as they say, swallow the frog, do the hard thing. Exactly, because it's helping to regulate your emotions. It's helping to regulate where you're directing that in incredible ability to focus and helping you complete tasks that normally you would get bored during and literally walk away from. I like to use words like procrastinating, where you're, <laughs> you're cleaning out the shower instead of writing a paper. Oh, I mean, Pete is like, do you really think that packing Charlie for college is the right time to switch over your closet from spring, summer to fall, winter, I'm like, it is the perfect time. Obviously. And by the way, got both done. Absolutely you did. And, you know, and he's just like, huh, interesting approach. And it's like, I I remember at one point learning maybe in European history about like a grape shot, right? Goes in the cannon as a solid piece and then it comes out and it's like it splatters everywhere. I'm like, that's me. That's my approach to things. Right, because as you're going through the task, you get inspired, and then this idea forms, and it's so exciting to your brain, you have to do it. And that's why we kind of tend to ping from thing to thing, depending on what's the most interesting or what's the most urgent. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to, and maybe they have, um, have someone with ADHD speak out loud their thoughts for some period of time so that 
you can really see the way that somebody's mind works when they have ADHD. I mean, I have said before, you know, you can pull a topic from a fishbowl and I can just go off and I can talk about it. Absolutely. And it'll then dovetail into this, which leads me to this. And did I mention that? And here's a story about this and whatever. It's because of how your brain holds information. You uniquely connect everything you know. Yeah. Partially through your emotions, too. So you have this ability to access. I always joke that my brain is a card catalog. Now I'm showing my age where I can just <laughs> go in and boop, 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 pick out the things I need for the specific conversation. Well, and interestingly, also being an intuitive, I had a reading with somebody and they told me that one of my spirit guides, my main spirit guide, worked at the Kashuk Library which is the library of souls for people that don't know and every soul that's ever existed. And so this spirit guide can like a card catalog. Then when I'm reading somebody, I can very quickly get a sense of them in the same way that I can get information from all these tabs or the card catalog. I can do the same thing with people's energy. Yes, absolutely. There is a really interesting pocket of research among the neurodivergent uh, information that talks about people with autism specifically who are kind of known to not be able to interpret emotions and social signals actually are much more empathic and are feeling them instead of thinking them. It's a very interesting theory. And for you, yours checks out too because the ADHD brain doesn't filter any incoming information. A lot of people joke that we don't have a filter because we impulsively blurt things out that are inappropriate. Mm -hmm. But actually what's happening is that you're not missing a thing. So oh, no. it's like one of my favorite shows, Psych, where you see someone and it's like, bing, bing. Mm -hmm. There's all the things he saw. That's your brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He and was an amazing portrayal of ADHD. That's true. I need to go back and rewatch that show. It was. It was like those pop-up video things, which I loved. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so good. Um now, we, since we only have like five or six minutes left, you mentioned that you love working with kids. Mm -hmm. And I know that you also are really loving working with people like myself that are suddenly through their kids experience or as they're starting to maybe explore this next chapter of their life as empty nesters and what have you. Um, you're also loving working with women, men, I imagine, mm -hmm. um, that are my age. Yes. So... Is Do you have limits on your practice and who you work with? I do. So I'm actually trained as what's called a family psychiatric nurse practitioner. So I can see you from zero to 65. After that, it becomes a different specialty of geriatrics, which I did not study because adults and children was enough. That was two. <laughs> so I really like the idea of a family practitioner. What I thought a psychiatrist was when I was a little kid someone who could take care of your whole family. Oh, yeah, I know you, and you're just like your dad, and you're just like your mom, and here's everything. You know the genetics. It's way easier. And then the kids don't age out of your practice. Because I was devastated when I learned I couldn't see my pediatrician anymore. I loved her. Oh. So I love the fact that I can see a child. The family, if needed, can get help, too. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets better together. And it's fun to watch the kids grow up and go off to college. That's fun for me, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, um, I, well, I would imagine that, um, as you say, following along and then, you know, if, like in my case, 
me working with you, that can then inform, while you may not share those details with my kids, it informs you that like, oh, you know, she's doing well on Vivance, not Concerta. So if I'm going to play with fill in the blanks medicine, then they may have a similar, um, you know, effect or like they may respond the same way or whatever it is. Absolutely. Even something as simple as knowing that your family's full of natural redheads who metabolize drugs differently is helpful. So, Wait, do redheads metabolize drugs differently? Oh, my gosh. You didn't know that you have like way higher pain tolerance. You need more anesthesia and <gasps> some other wacky things happen. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we're going to talk about this <laughs> I'll offline. I'll come back another day. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I... I mean, I kind of knew that. Like, let me put it this way. When I gave birth to Annie, I remember the nurse being like, oh, you're a real redhead. Like, infer what you're inferring. And <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? As I'm like, you know, totally uncomfortable. And she's like, nothing. And I hear one of the nurses say, like, redheads are bleeders. So I learned that fun fact at a very unfun time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that we had. Yes. yes. Wow. It's very interesting. So that almost... So I'll ask you the personal question. Does yes. that explain why I take a higher dose yes. of my meds? Because it takes that much more for me to get the impact that I need. Partially. And also the medication that you happen to use is very special in that a higher dose extends how long it lasts. Got it. Which is a very unusual mechanism. Got it. Okay. So much. And that's the thing that I want people that are listening to understand is that this is there is so much. And even if you are not dealing with ADHD, if you know someone that you love, remember those acts of kindness that I was talking about earlier in the show? Do a little bit of research. Understand so that people with ADHD are constantly told no. Actually, children with ADHD receive 12,000 thousand more negative comments by age 12 than their peers and then they internalize that there you go so that positive that i'm talking about say yes yes okay if people are interested in connecting with you and Mm -hmm. learning more about you and connecting with your practice where can they go we have a awesome website it is uh rivervalleypsych.com We have two locations where you can be seen. We're doing telehealth because of COVID right now. The website has our phone number on it. You can call. We have medication providers, therapists, diagnostic practitioners, a good mix. Awesome. And she's wonderful. I can personally vouch for her. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for being a guest. Of course. I'm definitely going to have you back because this conversation could go on for days. Thank you to Eric, as always. And uh, next week, my guest is Jeanette Benton of Dynamic Jewelry Designs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's making me a ring. I'm super stoked. Stay connected, everyone.